This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. BFM 89.9, you're now listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan. Technology is everywhere and whether the digitalization of society is good, bad or ugly, what is indisputable is that we are incredibly reliant on tech. That is unless you live in an unconnected shack in the woods. Now, while it may not be the first thing that comes to mind, the need for cybersecurity has never been greater. According to estimates from Statitas Cybersecurity Outlook, the global cost of cybercrime will grow from $8.4 trillion in 2022 to an estimated $23.8 trillion in 2027. While this is an incredibly scary problem, it's also a big opportunity that Singapore-based cybersecurity firm Black Panda is looking to tap into. And today, I'm speaking with Gene Yu, founder and group CEO of Black Panda. Gene, how are you doing? Hi, how are you doing? Thanks for having me today, Roshan. Yeah. Recently, you had some news about raising some Series A funding, which kind of, I think, led to this uh, session between us. Uh, but during this conversation, I want to bring it back to how you and your co-founders started the business, why you were doing so, and then we'll talk about the a bit of the business side of things later on. Uh, first thing, though, Gene, I have to ask, why the name Black Panda? Uh, great, 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 great question. Uh, it ties in well with uh, uh, your first question about uh, the founding, right, of course. Um, so uh, my background is that I'm a West Point uh, computer science graduate. Uh, I served as an American Special Forces officer for uh, the better half of um, uh, 12 years uh, in uniform. And when I left the military, uh, I, w- I met uh, my uh, chairman and co-founder, Matt Pecco, uh, who commanded the same counterterrorist uh, team out of Okinawa that I did, uh, but 17 years before me. And he, at the time, was uh, serving as head of uh, prime services at Credit Suisse, uh, poached me out of grad school and brought me into finance. Um, after a stint there, uh, I went to Palantir Technologies to help start up their uh, Asia business in early 2013. Uh, and that's where I started touching upon uh, cyber a bit. Uh, in 2015, uh, Matt gave me a call and said he had a... a um, kind of a passion project to a certain degree of wanting to bring together our old special forces uh, brothers and and uh, um, and put together a uh, security consulting, you know, private military type of style company uh, out in Asia. And so um, so Panda was uh, selected as a, you know, Asian animal and then adding the word black uh, for black ops. Right. So just make it a little bit tougher. So <laughs> that's where Black Panda, the name came from. And that's where the genesis of the company started was a bunch of American Special Forces, Green Beret types with Ivy League backgrounds that uh, came together um, in Hong Kong and then uh, landed our first major client in the southern Philippines, uh, which is a, a large copper gold mine surrounded by communist guerrillas, um, Islamic fundamentalists, et cetera, that we were helping uh, with crisis consulting and uh, high risk security consulting. So in the evolution of the company, of course, the next question is, how did we get into cybersecurity? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. certainly, yeah, certainly Black Panda has been through um, an incredible uh, journey of pivots. And, uh, you know, I came in to run the company um, uh, more as more from an investor standpoint and uh, ended up uh, in order to save the company over the years, uh, pull, uh, got pulled in full time and, and uh, have been doing s- uh, such for seven years now. Um, so, Gene, just to follow up on something there, mm-hmm. um, Black Panda didn't start off in cybercrime. It was a pure uh, security services firm first. Correct. We were actually in the physical high risk uh, security consulting side and, and had landed some very large deals right off the bat at Enterprise. And that's that's how we got started. Um, 
And uh, a, a lot of our genesis of starting the business was less about uh, market conditions and more about uh, us trying to heart, uh, tap back into the camaraderie that we had uh, while we were uh, soldiers and, and all this sort of thing and, and uh, had enjoyed enough, um, enjoyed enough uh, uh, success financially that we were ready to, to start a project like this and quickly realized that uh, over time that uh, we needed a, a better business model um, than just consulting uh, in order to to, to grow the business. And we discovered that there was a tie-in to the types of services we we're providing with uh, Lloyd's, uh, uh, with a specific insurance product that's called special risk insurance, hmm. um, which is also colloquially known as kidnap and ransom insurance. And because of our, uh, our uh, placement in Hong Kong, there's a strong tie-in back to London, of course, uh, with the, uh, the history and Lloyd's of London in particular. And that started getting us into insurance. So we built a insurance brokerage to tie together our services with the kidnap and ransom insurance. And then we were the services that was uh, paid for on the policy. While we're uh, exploring this business model, we discovered um, that there were uh, no parallels or connection between this type of physical security insurance product uh, and services with uh, 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 no relation to cybersecurity services and insurance. That was unusual to me because I'm technical, right, as a computer science guy, but I'm also a classically trained military tactician and strategist. And so fundamentally at Black Panda, uh, we view cybersecurity uh, not as an IT problem, but a security problem. It's not a computer that's hacking you uh, on the other side. It's a human being. And that human being has friends, organization, and thus different desired end states, uh, which the defenders need to consider bespoke um, security solutions. So uh, maybe to crystallize that into one statement is that uh, the digital uh, space is just another terrain to a security uh, person like myself, right? It's just the new dimension or playing field, but it's still human on human offense and defense. Okay. It's still so, security services at the end of the day. It's just a different, as you say, a different field that you're combating on here. Um, does Black Panda still do um, the other security services or are you, have you guys completely, are you focused entirely now on the cybercrime side? Yeah. So to answer directly, no, um, we do very, very, discreetly some off-menu things for very strategic uh, legacy clients, uh, but by and large, we do not offer those services anymore. In 2018, uh, I believe, uh, there was an attack, a gunman attack, um, at the Resorts World uh, Integrated Casino and Resort in Manila. Uh, we were hired as the crisis consultants for that and um, and responded uh, on behalf of the, uh, the casino uh, to help them uh, fix the security, et cetera. So, in the second and third day after that initial attack, uh, Resource World was hit by a cyber attack from all over the world, taking advantage of the physical chaos. And when the uh, uh, the leadership at Resource World asked us to help them with that problem, uh, from my palantir background, I knew that there were a lot of specialized incident response digital resp uh, forensic cybersecurity firms that are meant to handle this type of issue of responding after a cyber attack. And when I looked over our shoulder here in Asia, I only saw the big four pretty much uh, handling it and realized there was a lot of open space here for, uh, for specialized firms. Um, here in the region, uh, and also discovering very quickly that uh, in Asia, cybersecurity was still relatively in its nascency compared to the U.S. Um, uh, what I'd seen over there. So uh, we put together a group of old uh, Palantir colleagues and uh, and uh, U.S. military uh, folk, and uh, ended up being more efficient on the uh, on the business than on the cybersecurity side, the physical side. 
And as we started realizing that there's a lot more food on the other side of the aisle, something that we considered just to be uh, the same type of thing that we were doing, but in a digital form. And uh, we went out and uh, began um, securing clients at a very rapid pace uh, in cybersecurity. And then in late 2019, uh, raised a bridge round uh, led by Gall Capital, which is now one of our co-leading private equity uh, investors and uh, pivoted uh, fully into cybersecurity. So that's a bit of the, the odd route that we went through as a uh, startup. But you can say that um, in the current incarnation of Black Panda's model as a combined cybersecurity services, technology, and insurance company, uh, we've been at it since basically you know December 2019. So everything prior was something different, but I can I honestly believe this, and actually I honestly know this, is that I couldn't have arrived at our unique business model without having gone through that route and seen the parallels of a much more stable business model in the physical security, high-risk security world um, that I believe needs to be uh, modeled over in cybersecurity. And that's the big gap that I think that, um, that at least from my point of view out in, out of the market, is that that crossover between having a depth of understanding uh, of the physical security and safety world uh, and how it translates over the digital space. So would it be safe to say that the cybersecurity business didn't start from ground zero because you essentially had built a roster of clients from previous business iterations as well. Um, Would that be fair to say? Yes, uh, we were able to convert some of our existing physical security clients into cybersecurity clients due to the close relationship and trust that we've built. Um, you know, we've never we've never slacked in terms of the uh, quality of uh, personnel that we hire. Uh, we only take uh, the very best and and uh, have quite a stringent recruiting uh, process. And I think that that carried over in terms of our reputation and quality um, over into cyber, despite uh, being relatively new at that time. But of course, the advantage of uh, being out in, uh, uh, in in a region that where the, the market is relatively in its nascency, um, you know, just after a, a few iterations and of course, hiring the right uh, cybersecurity uh, expertise as well, uh, we were able to build a, a reputation very quickly um, and became profitable within six months, uh, you know, on the uh, incident response consulting businesses side. So that, that of course, buoyed our, um, our confidence uh, to pile into uh, to cybersecurity and just seeing that our particular skill set uh, in understanding how crisis response works, how it ties in with insurance, how we can make this a complete resiliency solution uh, for the market uh, gave, us, uh, gave us the confidence to, to move forward. And now, I've, as, as proven out, have been validated, at least initially, for a closing, uh, you know, uh, uh, will be mostly regarded as a very strong Series A round size of 15 million US dollars from two very, uh, very prestigious, well-known uh, private equity firms, Primavera and Gulf Capital, 55 billion US dollars AUM. You know, I feel like we've uh, we've arrived in terms of validating ourselves. And um, if you consider, you know, from the start date of the pivot, you know, in 2019. Gene, we're going to be talking a lot more about all this and taking a look at that Series A funding in just a few minutes. I've been speaking with Gene Yu, founder and group CEO of Black Panda, and you've been listening to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanasan. Keep it here to BFM 89.9. Buggy Free Minum, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and this morning I'm speaking with Gene Yu, founder and group CEO of cybersecurity firm Black Panda. Gene, in the 
first part of this interview, we really got into the founding, right? Like the story that brought um, the business together, why the name Black Panda, how you and your co-founders came together, and the many iterations that eventually led you to what the business is today, cybersecurity. Black Panda specializes in two particular areas, incidents response and digital forensics. Could you tell us a little bit about what this entails? Because this sounds very different from the uh, consulting you started off doing in terms of security consulting, physical security consulting. Um, tell us a little bit more about all this. Yes. So um, actually, I, I uh, would share that I think that what we're doing in cybersecurity incident response digital forensics is exactly the equivalent uh, from the physical world of what we were doing consulting wise. So uh, my favorite analogy to describe this sector of cybersecurity is that we are cybersecurity firefighters and arson investigators. So the incident response is like putting out the fire and then the digital forensics is piecing through the rubble, figuring out what secret tunnels and chimneys the bad guys came in um, so that we can advise the client to shut those off. That's the arson investigation component. So essentially we're the service that you need uh, if you were hacked in the next five seconds, right? We're the guys that you call to come in kind of like that 999 or 911 number in the States as emergency response to come in and, and uh, patch you up. You know, so that's that's the core consulting service that we provide. And and again, uh, that's my background as a former counterterrorist uh, commander. Um, same with Matt as well. So we're very well versed in understanding what uh, uh, tier one, um, you know, uh, unmatched global level sort of uh, a crisis response process operations SOPs look like. And uh, that's some of the skills that we brought over from a uh, more of an operational management standpoint. Uh, you know, I'm not a. Uh, cybersecurity technical experts, uh, but I do understand um, security broadly from the macro perspective and can see how this plays into cybersecurity from a, uh, from again, from a operational management standpoint. And what about the insure tech side of things? Where does that come into uh, when we talk about the business? So you've got the, um, the arson investigator, you've got the CSI forensics team that comes in. Where does the insure tech fit into this picture? Yes. So that was kind of the next, the next phase, as I mentioned, uh, we had, uh, we had been uh, operating in the special risk insurance uh, industry. And so one of the things that um, I identified as well that was similar in the cyber insurance industry is that the organic connection between the cybersecurity industry and the insurance industry is digital forensics and incident response. Because uh, just like a kidnap and ransom insurance policy, that service is paid for by the cyber insurance policy. Okay, so if you get, if you're holding, for example, a Lloyd's of London cyber insurance policy and you get hacked, you get a team like Black Panda that's on standby 24-7, 365 that shows up and essentially our costs are covered as we come and put your fire out. And then also do the arson investigation, which is needed to give to the loss adjusters or the folk that figure out how much the insurance company needs to pay on the claim. So that's the natural tie-in, right, of the two, the two industries. And for me, security is a form of insurance and insurance is a form of security. I think they go hmm. as two things in a pod and they should be together when you think about a resiliency solution that uh, one is a fixed cost on your operating budget, but also just to have all the components that you need, again, to answer for me, that first question anybody should answer in security, which is what are you going to do if you get attacked in the next five seconds, right? That's the first thing that you need so to worry about. don't call the Ghostbusters, uh, call Black Panda. <laughs> <laughs> Follow us at hello at blackpanda.com, right? So, so the um, so that was the tie-in to insurance. And what we did was we went forward and partnered and built uh, a, a company called Panamatics Underwriting. Um, 
that uh, is a Lloyds of London uh, cyber insurance cover holder or an underwriting agency that is backed by uh, the capital from uh, from uh, Lloyds of London. So Panamatics underwriting is uh, licensed in uh, Singapore and Hong Kong, uh, can underwrite up to five million US dollars of cyber insurance coverage uh, for companies up to 250 million USD. So we combine as like a partnership between the Black Panda uh, service and the Panamatics underwriting cyber insurance product and distribute this complete cyber resiliency solution that has combined cybersecurity services, the technology and the insurance all in one, right? So, sorry, it's a long road, but let me get to the insurance (laughs) now. So the biggest problem in cyber insurance right now, which is like the holy grail, so to speak, of what the problem, even the states that everybody's trying to solve, is what is the correct price of cyber insurance in the long term, right? Because cyber insurance is the fastest growing sector of insurance in the world. Right. $1 billion, you know, grocery and premiums, um, CACR of, you know, up to 40% in some estimates. But uh, insurance carriers are getting uh, hosed because the loss ratios are so high. Nobody knows how to price it correctly. Um, and thus, a lot of companies are, it's called hardening of the market and have pulled out in the last couple of years um, as, as though uh, all the things are slightly softening currently. So this big problem uh, in, in most most people's opinion, or in at least uh, the, the cyber insure tech space's opinion, is that it's missing uh, the cyber risk data, right? Because insurance underwriters look at the historical actuarial uh, uh, data to try to price. And with technology advancing so quickly and security vulnerabilities and gaps appearing so fast uh, with uh, cybersecurity risk, um, that's mis that's misaligned in terms of the pricing. So it's companies like us that have emerged uh, in the U.S. Uh, again, combined cybersecurity services, technology, insurance companies um, that have emerged uh, in the last several years. Several unicorns in the states, led by you know Coalition, posted a five billion dollar valuation last year. Uh, At bay um, is up there in the unicorn status. Anyway, it's a very hot space. Uh, we're the very first players to do this in in, in Asia. Okay, there's a few there's a few that have popped up as well in the EU more recently. Uh, we're the very first out here. So that's that's our game that we've kind of evolved to. So that insure tech piece is the machine learning data lakehouse that's being housed is collecting our cybersecurity uh, risk data off of our services and tech and then helping us calculate the price of insurance uh, to deliver uh, the appropriate premium and not blow us up you know while we're out there underwriting risk. Yeah, so cybercrime is one part, but what seems to be maybe the moat here is that it's the insure tech business because when you take, it's data, right? Insurance is, being able to underwrite insurance is all about data. You need to be able to, the actuaries need to be able to look at some kind of trend to ensure that insurance companies, as you also noted, don't lose money perpetually on the insurance policy they're selling. Now, one thing you noted that the evolving nature of cybercrime, research from FortiGuard Labs released in August, if I'm not mistaken, showed that new ransomware variants uh, doubled in six months up to that August period. And this reminds me a lot. I'm not sure if you watched the Batman Begins, Gene, this conversation between Jim Gordon and Batman, where Jim Gordon brings out the, the question of escalation. He says, we start carrying semi-automatics, they buy automatics. We start wearing Kevlar, they buy armor-piercing rounds. This seems to be a little bit of like a cat and mouse chase in cybercrime as well in cybersecurity. Um, how do you keep up with all of this? Is is it all going to come down to AI and machine learning or is there more to it than that? Mm. Well, I think what, uh, even from a higher level view, um, I would describe what you just said as the uh, game that we've been playing probably since the first human tribe met another human tribe. Mm. Uh, one decided to 
measure and the other had to take a defensive measure. And we've been playing this game since since then, right? And I can tell you that I watched this play out in uh, in Iraq as well uh, with uh, dealing with insurgents and all the different technologies that we would use to defend ourselves against roadside bombs and then what they would, you know, change the wireless. And, the, you know, anyway, it's just this tit-for-tat game that continues on since the dawn of civilization that is now extended into the digital space, right? Because this is the world that we operate in and, and rely on for most of our valued uh, assets, uh, particularly financial, right? And so, uh, so what we're seeing in the cybersecurity space to me is an extension of the security game and uh, that we've been playing in the physical space now into the digital world. And in the digital world, of course, we have that same game as well, where the offense comes up with a new technique, um, you know, ransomware, uh, you know, was all the rage, you know, in the last couple of years. And so now there's all these measures coming out from the defense of how we, you know, implement everything from government policy to technology to uh, crypto payments and how we how we monitor that and how we, you know, there's companies that have come around like chain analysis uh, being one of the more famous ones that uh, has developed technology to trace uh, and track crypto assets as they go out. And that's, you know, that's a good example of a defensive uh, innovation that's come around uh, to try to help deal with ransomware of tracking the payments down afterwards and, and working with uh, international law enforcement uh, to try to uh, uh, track down the, uh, the attackers. Right. So when we think about this, like from a philosophical standpoint, like, why is this happening? It's kind of like, well, it's always happening and it will never stop. Right. This is human nature of, uh, of the world only has so much wealth and power to go around. Right. And uh, we'll always be competing for it. And there's just a nature of offense and defense when we think about this uh, from that lens. So how does Black Panda keep up with the escalation then? What, what are the tools in the arsenal that keep you up to speed, if not uh, a bit ahead of the curve? Mm. So I think one of the things uh, fundamentally about Black Panda, first and foremost, is philosophically we focus on the post-breach response because we generally have the view that uh, nobody can really be safe from cyber attack or any type of attack from the uh, resource and dedicated, motivated uh, group. So philosophically, we're about trying to minimize financial impact uh, to our clients and getting them back on the feet as soon as possible. We're not in the game of trying to stop the attacks. We're here to we're here with the assumption that you're going to get attacked, but let me get you back on your feet so you don't go to business okay, and be your backup. So from that perspective, uh, we're constantly looking at uh, the cutting edge tools, uh, whether it be um, in, in all different types of various of cyber attack, right? Because we are hyper specialized just in one thing, which is the incident response and digital forensics from a service standpoint. I like calling it being one inch wide and 10 miles deep, right? When you come to Black Panda, I want you to know that there's only, we only serve cheeseburgers, okay? But it's the best <laughs> cheeseburger you could ever possibly imagine in every variation of it, we've got it, right? So whether it be um, ransomware uh, negotiation and response and the crypto payments that come from that, we're specialized in that. Uh, we have married up our kidnap and ransom uh, experience, negotiation experience with our cybersecurity experts for our own style of how we, how we approach those problems. Uh, we can handle crypto asset tracing and recovery, like I just mentioned, for the Web3 community. Uh, we can handle uh, operational technology, SCADA systems for uh, air-gapped uh, environments or energy conglomerates. Every type of situation you could think of in terms of cyber attack, we are investing in partnering with the different technology, skilling up. Um, and constantly researching how to uh, respond faster, more efficiently, and getting our clients, again, back on the feet to minimize the financial damage, right? We are your neighborhood cyber firefighters, and this is the only thing we do, and we're obsessed about it from a service uh, capacity. Um, 
I'm tying back to uh, the wider question of um, our Series A and, and the insure tech component of what we're investing in is because we believe also deeply that the most important data to correlate with other risk data is forensics data, right? When we think about how we would reduce homicide in a country, you would not just look at the security alarm system and everything like that and just look at that data to say, oh, this is what is uh, determining the rate of homicide. You need to conduct the crime scene investigation, the autopsy and the forensics, right? <laughs> That's the data that you need, right? It's it's see these sort of things seem very obvious when I use physical analogies, and that's a, a missing aspect of people's thinking, I believe, towards cybersecurity is that it's not like unintelligent people were working on physical safety and security for the last five thousand years of, you know, recorded human history, right? There's a lot of iteration thought process has gone into the models, the process that needs to be mimicked uh, over in cybersecurity. The difference is that the people that have started out in cybersecurity, I believe. Are engineers and they don't have the background in the physical safety and security world mm -hmm. to realize parallels. So, for example, everything in the physical safety and security world, uh, practically, you can put the word cyber in front of, and there's a version of that in the cybersecurity industry. It's just called something different because engineers came up with the word first and didn't realize it existed already, or, or maybe decided to differentiate it for whatever reason. So that makes it very confusing and people also confusing it for just an IT problem. It's not. It's a human being that's attacking you. And that person, whether coming through, like, for example, my one another favorite analogy of this is if somebody comes and kidnaps your daughter, it's because they want to extort you for money, right? Mm -hmm. If they come and uh, encrypt your entire network in your com in your company, and then send you a note for you know a million bucks in Bitcoin, um, or you'll never see your data again, it's because they want to extort you for money. It's the same type of criminal person that has decided to go through a nefarious methodology to make money off of you and extort you. It doesn't matter how they did it. That's just a different avenue of approach. It's the same type of thing, right? It's the same situation. So the tools and the methods have changed over time. The motivations are still rooted in some kind of base there. Uh, Gene, I want to talk about the growth story for Black Band over the last few years, but we've got to go into the 10.30 a.m. news bulletin, so we will get back to that in just a bit. I've been speaking with Gene Yu, founder and group CEO of Black Panda, and you've been listening to Open for Business. We'll be back after the 10.30 a.m. news bulletin, so keep it here to BFM 89.9. Big Friendly Matcha, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan and on the line with me is Gene Yu, founder and group CEO of cybersecurity firm Black Panda. Gene, right now, Black Panda very focused on the Asian region, I presume, with the naming of uh, using Panda and Black Ops to become Black Panda there. You've got offices right now in Singapore, Hong Kong, Tokyo, Manila, and San Francisco. Um, I think for a lot of, uh, given your Asian presence, uh, there's going to be, from a Malaysian perspective, the question always seems to be, why did you set up in Singapore first? <laughs> so, um, so I was in, uh, we actually set up first in Hong Kong. And then I, as I mentioned earlier, first clients were in the Philippines. Um, I moved back to Hong Kong after our business became quite stable uh, and robust in uh, the Philippines. And uh, from there, I saw that the Singapore government was uh, leading in, in the region in terms of uh, grants, uh, support, uh, uh, the establishment of regulatory bodies. I could see that the government was moving faster towards data privacy regulations that would match things like GDPR and the EU, um, as well as CCPA in the US, uh, which has been the largest drivers from a compliance standpoint um, of cybersecurity uh, uh, industry standards. And so um, I still have the same view. Um, and that's why uh, in uh, 2000, 
uh, 20, uh, right at the onset of COVID, <laughs> I uh, picked up picked up uh, myself and uh, moved down to Singapore because I believed that the uh, the environment here was uh, leading in that space. So that's that's really uh, the impetus of coming down to Singapore from that from that perspective. And I believe that that has been uh, played out to be correct as well. Uh, Hong Kong remains to be um, almost an equivalent size market for us uh, between uh, the two. Um, I think that's more of a uh, track record and history standpoint. Um, but but uh, yeah, so from that aspect, Singapore has been uh, kind to us in that, in that sense. Something for our own policymakers and government officials to maybe take note of when we're trying to attract more startups to our country, or at least to set up their HQs here. Now, Black Panther started in 2015, pivoted over to cybersecurity in its full uh, element in 2019. What has the revenue growth been like over the last few years? Yeah, so I think it would start from 2019. Yeah, we've essentially doubled every year till till now, right? And uh, things are actually at the point, inflection point, I think here in Asia, that's really starting to uh, to catch fire. Um, you know, I believe that we're generally about five to eight years behind the U.S. out here in Asia, uh, largely due to the lack of data privacy uh, regulation, which I think is um, has been driven uh, perhaps from some cultural reasons, uh, to be honest. And uh, but that's changing now because. We can't ignore uh, cybersecurity. It's literally just security, right? You can't <laughs> just say, oh, uh, you know, that doesn't apply to us and we don't need to lock our doors, uh, you know, or anything like that, right? So the reality of, of the fact is that um, the entire world can see you on the internet and it doesn't, it's not a, uh, you know, when I first began in cybersecurity out here in Asia, uh, you know, there's resistance from the market initially saying, oh, that's not an Asia problem, that's a US problem. And that's when I really hmm. knew that there was opportunity here because people didn't realize that uh truly that it's uh, uh that anybody can reach out and see you you know on the internet so to speak so um so i think that 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 uh that helps uh you know kind of crystallize a little bit about the uh, the progress that we've been having and um and then certainly now you know more and more attention is coming around to cybersecurity in asia as, as uh everybody starts seeing you know their neighbor essentially getting attacked and uh, that that has driven up quite a bit of demand in business and and uh, given quite quite a large rise to our profile, particularly as we're the only um, uh, cybersecurity and sure tech uh, uh, underwriting capable firm out out in uh, out in the Asia region, um, and our specialization, of course, in incident response, um, has has propelled our reputation uh, quite quickly. Gene, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think you guys are a subscription or at least a SaaS services uh, business model. There, um, where are you seeing key demand for your services in the region? Yeah, so our primary markets are um, Singapore and Hong Kong currently. That's where our larger presence, our presence is at. Um, yes, we deliver our resiliency services uh, and uh, insurance product through a SaaS platform. Um, so there's a subscription, uh, basically, that uh, is how we engage. Uh, and particularly, we're target, we're uh, we're focused on SMEs. Uh, part of our mission is is to uh, is to democratize. Well, actually, I would just say our mission is to democratize cybersecurity resiliency. Right, we want to be able to provide an affordable, uh, mass mass distributable product uh, because right now there's a phenomenon in cybersecurity where pretty much only the wealthy, so to speak, can afford security. It's really only enterprise that can afford robot the true robust security solutions. It reminds me a lot of um, some emerging markets where only like the really wealthy people have these armies of. Uh, you know, uh, private security guards and uh, multiple vehicles to move around in, in uh, more risky areas, whereas the the average uh, person cannot and can't really rely on, particularly on the police, uh, to protect them, right? And so that disparity, I believe, exists globally mm-hmm. in cybersecurity currently, and there isn't a just there isn't a um, 
there isn't a mass distributable uh, type of model uh, for these security services uh, other than uh, through the diversified cap uh, pools of capital of insurance, right? So, um, so that that's that's led a little bit to to how we've decided to approach the problem, um, you know, in, in terms of that aspect. Now you didn't necessarily start the cybersecurity business from zero revenue, given the fact that you already had uh, relationships with businesses that were using your physical security services uh, from 2015 onwards. Um, were there key clients that sparked the growth that you've seen since 2019 uh, in Black Panda, right? That you've seen basically a doubling in, in revenue every year since then. Um, were there key clients that brought that on? Um, yeah, so I think that, the, you know, it's not to be not to say that we don't have enterprise clients, um, you know, key clients for us uh, uh, would be BDO, you know, in the Philippines, the largest bank, uh, Razor, we're proud to call a client here in Singapore as well. So th there's some there's a, um, we do have enterprise clients that we provide a bit of a higher touch white club service to, but really our um, our ultimate objective here is to uh, is to through. Uh, through the right technology, through the right uh, pricing, right through the insure tech engine, through the diversified pools of um, of uh, insurance capital, is to provide this resiliency solution in uh, in mass, right? So, um, actually, even to go further, if if you mind, uh, you know, we were inspired, um, you know, by uh, Ray Dalio's writings about how oftentimes we're surprised by phenomenons in our lives because the last time it occurred in a cycle was before mm -hmm. uh, outside memory. So, you know, I've been, I saw the parallels between cyber incident response and, uh, you know, uh, firefighting and talked about it so much. And when we went and did the research of where did firefighting come from in the first place, and uh, we're surprised, pleasantly surprised, discovered there that uh, in 1666, uh, there was an event called the Great Fire of London that uh, almost destroyed the city forever. Okay. And certainly I'd never heard about this, but uh, before that, uh, you know, the only type of insurance product that existed was marine insurance for vessels mm -hmm. traveling world. And so fire insurance as a product arose from the ashes of the Great Fire of London. And what the insurance companies discovered very quickly was it was most cost effective to build their own private fire brigades to put out the fire as fast as possible for wow. claims to pay out. Uh, fast forward a few more decades, and then the, all the insurance companies realized it was most cost effective to support one large private fire brigade. And then another few decades, and now the government of England realized we should nationalize this service for our citizens. And now uh, in almost all countries, uh, particularly developed countries, we see that there's a public service of crisis response for firefighting. We enjoy democratized physical firefighting. So in the same way, we believe that the same phenomenon is happening 400 years later just in the digital space, and that it's the insurance industry that is going to propel a democratized digital firefighting service or crisis response service for the mass market, right? And so that's what we're essentially doing by having combined everything and, and providing this instant response service on the back of insure tech and insurance methodology uh, to distribute as widely as possible so that the, uh, the small guy, you know, out there at just like, you know, just like we do now, can call like a 999 number or 911 in the States and actually uh, get the help, right? Um, fundamentally, we believe that every human being has the right to self-defense, right? I believe that it's a social contract in exchange for being a law-abiding, uh, tax-paying citizen that we deserve to be protected. And right now, there's nothing like that. You can call somebody a 911 if you're, somebody tries to physically uh, vandalize, rob, or murder you. But if somebody does that in the digital space, there's nobody for you to call. And I, I, we don't think that's right. And that's the problem that fundamentally we are solving here. Right. 
Now, Gene, growth is great. And you've had uh, some very strong growth since 2019. Uh, but we're seeing founders, businesses, managers now under increased pressure to ensure that business models are profitable or cash flow positive, at least, given uh, all the the increase in cost of capital, essentially. what it is, That's what it's coming down to. Um, I give that said, Black Panda is very early in it. You know, you just read Series A at this point. Um, mm. This kind of pressure is being applied more to the later stage companies uh, out there. Um, how are you and your investors uh, talking about this? Um, is it a concern for them at this point? Uh, or is there a agreement that essentially, hey, we know it's very early. Don't worry about the cost of capital just yet. Uh, just keep growing the business. Mm. So at the foundational layer of our business, um, as I talked about the evolution of the company, uh, we have uh, built a profitable uh, instant response consulting business uh, standalone. And that's kind of the foundation of the of the business. So if you strip away um, the things that we're investing in, like, for example, the insurance uh, platform and the technology, then uh, we can always fall back into a cash flow positive business. But having raised uh, a large amount of venture capital, we're investing into uh, that business model. And so we are uh, uh, burning cash right now, like a, like a startup uh, would be. Um, but that being said, uh, in terms of the model of distributing uh, the cyber insurance uh, product, uh, we do have sight of profitability uh, within the next uh, 15 months or so. So for us to prove that out, we are uh, just like the rest of the market looking at um, fundamentals in terms of staying solvent as a business first and foremost, and being aware along the way of where we have waypoints that we, if we're not hitting the targets that we need to uh, to stay disciplined and make sure that we can, uh, and also always maintain that foundation uh, that we started out as. So I think for myself, just uh, when I think about where you're going with this question, I've learned as an entrepreneur and as a founder as well, that I think that it is a more prudent approach to build a consulting business at the beginning, just to make sure that you have some cash flow coming in uh, because that alleviates a tremendous amount of pressure. Um, you know, going out, I think, uh, pre-revenue and building and investing in things, building it first, so to speak, rather than selling it first, I think is a risky, uh, risky, uh, approach, uh, just because the, uh, cash can go so fast, which, um, I've certainly experienced in my, my years as an entrepreneur and, and stumbled into plenty of landmines uh, and have <laughs> more than enough scars on my face and back from that, that uh, perspective. So, um, to, to what you're saying right now, yes, I would generally, uh, promote the idea that in these market conditions, um, and just particularly where the where the world is is heading, um, you know, the allure of venture capital. It's it is always you know whenever we're con- for me whenever I see lack of clarity, uh, I always try to find solace in going back to the basics and the fundamentals and building back block by block from there. So right now it is about the fundamentals and and focusing on uh, disciplined business practice. Um, Gene, let's wrap up with this question here. Um, as we've mentioned a few times here, Black Panda recently secured $15 million in Series A funding. Um, I think you had some pre-seed funding as well, taking this total to around $23 million, if I'm not mistaken, uh, to continue fueling this growth, right? And as we mentioned earlier, you're, uh, you're seeing 2x growth every year since 2019. Um, while you have that consulting business and that cash flow from that, uh, the cybersecurity business still... Uh, focusing on growth at this point, what kind of runway does all this funding provide the cybersecurity business to focus purely on this growth? Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, from a runway perspective, we've got plenty of uh, dry powder right now to uh, uh, to explore the different uh, uh, the different uh, avenues of how to distribute this uh, cyber insurance product. So, you know, I think after Series A, we generally consider that to be, you know, the beginnings of product market fit. And the next stage for us for the Series B, which we hope to go out in the next um, 12 to 18 months or so, 
uh, we need to really properly show uh, some of the numbers from that perspective. So, um, you know, from that from that side, you know, as I described the business of where we're at, I, I think we have plenty of uh, plenty of headroom, you know, from that from that standpoint. Um, but again, you know, with the uh, market headwinds and macro uh, side of things, we need to be uh, prudent and uh, walk carefully as we move forward and stay keep our eye on the ball, not you know, not just pour cash on and, and right so so i think that we're we've got our uh, heads on straight about this um and our line from uh, uh from shareholders to board to uh to management and staff yeah gene thank you so much for your time today mm, thank you as well thanks for having me i was speaking with gene you founder and group ceo of black panda a cybersecurity firm based out of singapore currently and you've been listening to open for business i'm roshan kanison for bfm 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.